You're listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. Just having big struggles, you know, with the child support and, and the wife, my ex-wife. And the, the other main thing was the job, which the job in turn leads to me getting a driver's license, which you know, if you guys were here, you know the story. So God brought me to a place in my heart with my ex-wife. I called her up finally and I said, listen, first of all, I just want to tell you that I love you and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for any of the nasty things I said. I'm sorry for the attitudes that I've given you. I'm sorry that it's damaged my, my relationship with you, my relationship with you and my son and whatever it takes, I want to make it happen. And she said, okay. She goes, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. And she had a couple nice things to say to me too. Well, I'll just leave that part out. And, but they were deserving. You know, they were deserving. And, and I just had to sit there and I had to listen to her. And, you know, I'm a youth pastor at this church. And one of her biggest things was, is she said, you know, I, I'm proud of you. And I respect what you're doing down there at the church with, with all the other kids. She said, but you haven't seen your son in, in eight months. And I had to take that too. You know, she was absolutely 100, 100% correct. So we had a court date on Thursday. I showed up down there, and she came in, and I just, I grabbed her, and I hugged her, and uh, I said, whatever happens here today, I'm not going to fight you. Whatever they say, whatever you say, that's it, and so we went in there. They awarded it, and, and they brought me in, and I said, yeah, that's fine, whatever it is, and I, at this point, I don't have a job. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to pay this, and I looked at the lady, and I went, wow, okay, how am, how, how am I going to pay this, and she looked at me like, I don't know, you know, that's the natural response, I don't know, but I said, okay, but it was the condition of my heart at that point. And I was just willing to let God work in a situation that I was willing to just say, yeah, this is the right thing to do. This is what needs to happen. I don't know, but you do, God, so I'm trusting you. So I get out of there, and two days later, I get a phone call from a lady. I went down and put an application over here at Aldi Market. Um, very different from anything that I've ever done. Uh, it's only part-time, but I got a job. So basically, God said, if you're willing, I'm able. And he set it up. And basically, I'm going to work to cover this child support. And that's okay with me. That's, that's perfectly okay because now my son's taken care of. We have a relationship. He was able to come down. We visited. Me and the ex-wife are, are geared up to, uh, he's got some great things going on in, in his football life. He's been in football ever since he was seven. And he's got some opportunities to do some great things. So we're, we're pairing it up. So, you know, everything is going good. And I just wanted to get up here and take a couple minutes and just, just say that, you know, God is good. And, and he has everything in, in, uh, in store. And, and he'll take care of you. you guys. Will you, will you pray with me real quick? Father God, Lord, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you that you are in charge of my life, Father God, that you're in control of my life, Lord. That you're in control of this church and everybody in this church, Lord. Father God, I ask that you just be with us today, Father God. You continue to guide us, Lord. You continue to teach us, Lord. You continue just to have that relationship with us, Father God, that in any given time I can climb up in your lap, Father God, and you will just hold me, Lord. I think we need that more than anything. And I just thank you for being my Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Danny. Give Danny some love for coming up here and sharing us with us an update. <clears throat> and Will, while you're clapping, would you guys show my friend Don some love for blowing that horn so beautifully for us today? They, uh, they live in Bakersfield, so we got a little work to do to try to get them to come a little closer north. So uh, give, them some, give them some of that support. Um, today's a big day for us, huh? For many of you that have been a part of this ministry for, some of you, decades, 
all the way since its inception in Stockton as the Youth Connection, you've seen the changes, you've seen the metamorphosis, you've seen how God has taken it through different seasons um, over the course of the last almost 30 years. And today is one of those changes, so to speak, some of those moments in your life that some people would call defining moments, where you look back on them and you go, wow, something in my life really changed at that point in time. Today's one of those moments for us as a congregation. Um, if you were here last week, you heard the beginning of what we're going to finish talking about today, which is the transition that God is calling us to from having our services on Sunday mornings to having our services on Saturday nights. And it's not by accident. One of the things that, that God spoke to Shauna and I over a year and a half ago when we really started feeling God calling us to leave the church that we had been pastoring at for the last 14 years before that, one of the very first things that God spoke to our hearts was Saturday night. We knew it without any kind of a doubt. We knew that God was calling us to do something that was a little bit different and to go after people that a lot of the great churches that we were a part of were not able to reach. They were not able to connect with. They were falling through the cracks and the story that God gave me so beautifully that summarized it was a story of the lost sheep and how out of a hundred people, the story says the shepherd was able to take care of 99 just fine, but that one lost sheep wandered off. And the story shows us how much that one lost sheep mattered because the story says that the shepherd left to go and try to find that one lost sheep. And when I saw that story, God confirmed to my heart that he was calling Gravity Church to stop looking where the 99 hang out and to start looking for that one lost one. And I've told you and I will continue to tell you that part of the vision that I believe that God has for his body is to support the, the body of Christ at large, especially around the city of Lodi. Through other nonprofits, through other churches, we want to be a part of and resource and support those other ministries that God is, is doing great things in right now. But may, make no mistake about it, our focus is very small our, our, our target is very small. It's 1% is who we're trying to reach. One out of 100 is who we're trying to go after. And we believe that Saturday nights is going to be an opportunity for them to come and connect with Jesus in a way that they don't have right now. We believe that Saturday nights is going to create a forum and an environment and an atmosphere for them to come in contact with the presence of the creator of this universe and to have their hearts opened up in such a way that they will be able to understand that God loves them, that God came for them, that God has a plan of salvation and redemption for them, and that God, more than anything, is looking for them right now. And so we're super excited about Saturday nights, and this coming Saturday night, October 1st, is it. It's our first night, and I hope you guys will be here. I hope you guys will be here to be able to support. What did I say? October 1st? If any of you guys show up on Saturday and you think it's October 1st, then you got some problems. Much more than my speaking inability, but it's October 3rd, excuse me, October 3rd. So today, last week, uh, we started talking about our church culture a little bit. Started talking about three things that we care about. At the very, very top of the list was God's presence. We talked about what it means to value God's presence and how having a corporate environment like this is one of the only places on earth that you can experience God like this. 
We all experience God in our day-to-day life, and we all know what it's like to have a, a conversation with God week to week. But when you get together in a large format with other Christians, something changes. And that presence of God that we feel, something that we value big time. We put God first on the list of things that we care about. We said last week that it's time for us to understand that God's presence in our life is something that we experience corporately, but that we also take with us everywhere that we go. And that it's time that we stop only experiencing God's presence for one hour a week and being content with that, being okay with the fact that once a week, God's presence and awareness of it is just not enough if you really want to know God and you really want to have that deep relationship with him. Today, I want to talk to you about a couple other things that we care about. The next one that we're going to talk about is conversation, how we put others first. We put God, and then we put others, and then last, we're going to talk about humility, putting ourselves last. So if you have your Bibles, check out John chapter 4 with me. It's a very cool story of Jesus encountering this woman in those days at a well where they used to stop, and that's where they got their water from. And this morning, what I want to share with you about this story that is so cool is that Jesus was all about reaching out to others through conversation. Everywhere that we see the encounters of Christ with people, he engaged with them in conversation. You and I know, if you've been here for any length of time, that we have a God story to tell. We have something inside of us that God has done that needs to be told. And we've also talked very openly about how the culture within our churches tries to silence the God story that we have because we are afraid that if we drudge up the things from our past and the things that we used to be a part of and the people that we used to be, that in some way people would judge us. And we've talked about how the only way that we can reach that one lost sheep is if you will be bold enough to let God use your past to let God use your life and your experiences because the things that you and I try to stuff down inside and try to hide and try to ignore and try to act like they never happened are the very things that God wants to redeem and use in your story. And so in this story, Jesus talks to this woman and it says in verse one, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was is baptizing and making more disciples than John. So he left Judea to return to Galilee. Jesus was dealing with politics there. Verse 4 says, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to, that, to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And there was jo- Jacob's well. Now listen to this. Jesus was tired from the long walk. And so he sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Jesus was tired from the long walk, and he sat down next to this well, and the Bible says that he was weary from his, from his walk. I don't know if you understand this picture, but we need to understand is that Jesus was dealing with the same stuff that you and I deal with in this moment in his life. He probably, if it was modern-day America, had just pulled 50 or 60 hours at work His kids needed so much stuff. He was exhausted. He was fatigued. He was just needing a break. And yet, in the moment of that, he finds the opportunity to have a conversation with somebody. So as we continue in the story, it says, Soon a Samaritan woman 
came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised because Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Conversation. One of the most important things that I think that you and I can learn how to do is to have a conversation. When we go out of this place, out of this nice, safe, comfortable, spiritual environment, we go into where we live. This is not where we live. We go into the places where the real life stuff happens. Our vision and our heart is for us to get those two things straight. This isn't really normal, if you will. This is something that's special. It's unique. It happens once a week. But for the rest of the time, you and I live where this story is taking place, where people are tired, where people are doing their thing, where people are working, where we live in neighborhoods, we interact with our neighbors. All of these places is where real life happens. And Jesus is modeling for us how to have a conversation. One of the most important things that you and I can do in walking with God and learning how to share our story is to learn how to engage with the people around us and to be able to ask simple questions. And you know what? One of the simplest questions that I have found that works for me when I'm in a social setting where I don't know somebody, but you kind of feel that in this, I ask them, so what's your story? You would be blown away at what people would be willing to tell you when you just ask them, what's your story? I mean, you'll hear about everything. Unless they don't want to talk about it, and that's cool too. But you have to come to a place where you realize is that conversation is important. It's powerful. As a matter of fact, I am going to even be so bold today as to tell you that I believe that there is such thing as a ministry of conversation. I believe that you and I are called to do ministry through conversation. We've talked about communication the last couple of weeks and about how important it is to have communication if we're going to develop relationships with anybody. And that communication has to start with God. There has to be direct conversation with God about the things in my heart and about the things in my life. And when that conversation begins to happen with God, guess what his desire is for the conversation to take place with somebody else. And as we begin to value what it is to talk to somebody, you will have your eyes opened at how things will begin to change in your life. See, God speaks to us through his word. And as we read it, as we study it, as we allow the Holy Spirit to make it come alive inside of us, at its core, what we are doing is reading a story. We are reading God's story. And God's story wants to be told. And as we read this, it's not to be selfishly taken in and hoarded to ourself. It's so that we can share the story that God is revealing to our heart. I can sit here week after week and tell you what I think this says and what God is speaking to me. But you're having a third-party dialogue with God, and it's not as effective as you talking to God about what this says about you sharing with God about what he wants you to understand, about what he wants you to see and what he wants you to experience. Conversation is a powerful thing. Over the last couple of weeks, as I've been having conversations with a lot of people in this congregation, I've heard some amazing things. 
I've heard some people going through some great times, and I've heard some people going through some horrible times. One of the things that I have heard a couple different occasions that I thought was awesome was I've heard from a few different people that there have actually been times during our Sunday morning services, because we take communion every Sunday as, as, as people wanting to fellowship with God. I've heard people say to me, I didn't take communion Sunday. I didn't feel right about it. I didn't feel like I was ready to do it. I was... I may be a little screwed up in the head, but I thought that was awesome because that tells me you're talking to God about something. That tells me that there's a communication happening. That tells me that you're angry about something or you're, you're, I don't know, throwing a fit about something, or maybe you're dealing with something. And in that moment, you're saying to God, God, I just can't do that right now. That's relationship. That's a beautiful thing. What's not a beautiful thing is when you and I go through the motions when you and I try to fake it with God, when you and I try to be something that we're really not. I want to tell you something today, and this is the truest thing I know. If you will be real with God, God will be real with you. If you will quit playing games with God, God will be real with you. God will meet you right where you're at. And if right where you're at is ugly right now, if right where you're at is hurting and broken right now, if right where you're at is addiction and right where you're at is... God will meet you right there. But you've got to be real with God. You've got to be real with God. Conversation. It's an amazing thing when you can actually share your heart, when you can actually tell what you feel and receive back. Response. Dialogue. Communication. It's awesome. And we believe that everybody should be involved in the ministry of conversation here. The other thing that we really believe strongly is that we've got to be a people that know what it is to be humble before God. Shauna and I spent about a year going to different churches and um, hanging out with a lot of different people that we knew from different churches. And I got to tell you that it was, it was like night and day when you'd walk into certain churches and you felt God's grace and God's warm embrace and God's love and God's mercy, and the salvation of Jesus. It was awesome to feel that thing in certain places. But when you go into other places, that spirit of pride that says, I know everything, that, that judgmental attitude that says, I know what's right, and you are wrong, it was as if you walked into a place that was just horrible. You could feel it. You could really, really feel it when you went into those places. Check out what Philippians chapter 2 says. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and sympathetic? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one heart and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Look at verse 5. It says, your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. And because of this, God raised him 
to the highest of heaven, highest heights of heaven, and gave him a name that's above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want you to see these words and let them sink in right now. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Your attitude should be the same. It has always amazed me how God could do what he did by coming down and being one of us. It just, it it has always amazed me at how God wanted us so bad, wanted a relationship with us so bad that he came down and breathed the same air that you and I breathe, that he came down and spoke face to face with us. It has always amazed me. And yet right here, it really lets us understand what the attitude of Jesus was behind his coming. He was God. He created the universe. Everything that you and I see as so big and as so powerful and as so over the top, he created it with his words. He, he spoke it into existence. The Bible says that he's at the center of it all. He holds it all together. It's an amazing thought that you and I can't even come close to understanding. And yet he came down and became one of us. And his attitude is it's even more amazing. That he would come down and allow us to have power over him. Think about that. The creator of the world came down and made himself susceptible to you and me. He made himself vulnerable to us. He put himself in our hands and said, you guys can hurt me. You guys can do things to me that you have no right. You have no ability to do unless I give it to you. And he came and did that. It blows my mind. And you and I sometimes in our humanness think that we've got things so figured out We think we've got the world by the tail because we've accomplished a few things in life. Maybe we've got an education or we've got a good job or I've got a family and I've got all these. We think that we know so much because we've accomplished something in this world. We get these mindsets that I got it figured out now. And yet Jesus, the creator of it all, came and said, I'll show you guys what your attitude is supposed to be like. How does this affect Gravity Gravity Church? Well, I'll tell you. In order for you and I to be able to reach out to that one lost sheep, in order for you and I to be able to truly come to the place that God wants every single one of us to come to, we have to see ourselves correctly. And you know how we have to see ourselves? We have to see ourselves as the beggars that were on the side of the road that Jesus walked past. We were blind, we had our hand out, and we were begging And he walked past us and he spoke our name and he said, I'll give you sight. I'll give you bread to eat. I'll give you what you can't give to yourself. And when we see ourselves in that humble state, when we see ourselves in that, in that place of brokenness and I can't do anything for myself, then we come to God. And then he says, stand up. And we, and we stand up and then he, he gives us new clothes and he says, I'm going to give you a new name. And then he begins to give us purpose and he begins to give us life. And he says, I'm not just going to be satisfied knowing who you are. He says, I'm going to bring you into my family. I'm going to give you a seat at the table. And now I'm going to adopt you as my son. You're part of the family. Jesus has done so much for us. Why is it that sometimes 
when we've been sitting at the table for a long time, we start to feel like we think we deserve a place at the table. We start to think, I could get used to this. And then we see the new guy come in and sit at the table. We go, yeah, I remember when I was there. You, yeah, I was the new guy once, but hmm, I got it dialed now. You just watch me. I'll tell you what to do. We think because we've been sitting at the table for a little while, we got this whole system worked out. Well, guess what? There's no system. It doesn't exist. It's a figment of our imagination. There's nothing to figure out. It's all of us in the same place coming to Jesus saying, God, I am a wreck without you. If you don't give me hope, if you don't give me life, I got nothing. I've got nothing. And at the core of all of it is a response of love that says, Jesus, you gave me so much. I just want to give back to you what little I've got. And God starts to bless it. And God starts to multiply it. And then God starts to take our broken lives and make something beautiful out of them. Humility. Having the same attitude of Jesus. Having the same attitude of Christ. One of the craziest scriptures that, that I have found in the Bible is in James chapter 4. This scripture sums it up. It says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor or he gives grace to the humble. When you and I think we've got it figured out, when you and I think that we know how to do what we need to do, when you and I take our life in our own hands and we say, okay, this is what I'm going to do, this scripture gives us a picture of what God is doing. He's opposing us. He's saying, no, I'm not going to let you do that. He's against us. I don't want God against me. I don't want God coming against me. I want to be going where God is going. I want to be a part of what God is a part of. I want to be following after what God is following after. And that means that I can't have any pride in me. That means that Jason has to give himself to God in every way, as do you. So this morning, as we have gathered here today to celebrate together, to come together for this last Sunday service at Gravity Church, I think that it's fitting for us to come together and as a group respond to God by saying, God, let there be no pride among us. Let there be no arrogance among us. But God, with humility, we offer ourselves to you. I want to do something this morning that may be a little strange for you. But what we're going to do is we're going to stand, we're going to all come up here, and then we as a group are going to pray. We're going to pray for ourselves, and then we're going to ask God for a crazy thing. We're going to ask God if he would bring in that one lost sheep to us. We're going to prepare our hearts so that there's no pride among us. We're going to prepare our hearts and say, God, I don't want anything that would hold back what you have for me to do. But then we're going to take it a step further and we say, God, now I want you to use me. God, bring them in. I'm ready for it. God, bring them in. Use me. Use me. So stand to your feet. Come on down here to the front. I know this is kind of different. I know this is kind of strange, but that's how it works. You've been listening.
listening to gravitychurch.com.